Uh, welcome to Not the Only Kids in the Hall podcast, the podcast where we talk about episodes of Kids in the Hall. We being me, Nick Ramirez, and uh, my co-hosts, Jared Emick and Amay Lutkin. Jared and Amay, how are you guys doing? Great. We're doing great. I'm excited. I, I was being, I was so enthusiastic and excited about doing this pod. I was I was mocked on the way in, so I, I, I can't wait to <laughs> <laughs> really kind of push through and, and uh, make my enthusiasm felt. No, I'm just kidding. My, Amay was just smiling. Do, do I seem... Overly enthusiastic? Should no, I, turn I think it down? your enthusiasm is great. It just is funny to me sometimes when people, um, you know, say something positive and you can tell they're digging deep and really like pushing <laughs> it out and, and like just trying to sweep everyone up in the enthusiasm. It's, Not in a bad way. I think it's wonderful. It's, it's honest funny. and true. All, everything <laughs> is honest, coming from a good yes. place. Okay, good, yes. good. No, we're, we're great, Nick. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm excited to talk to our guest. He's uh, an improviser, Same. comedian from New York City. Uh, Host of the Googie Morning of Googie Morning on Planet Scum Live, uh, Googie Ooh. Morning with Riley Solner. Uh, it's a Twitch show. I think it's it's Saturday mornings, right? Right, Riley. That's right. Googie Morning every <laughs> Saturday at eleven a.m. on Planet Scum Live. See, Riley's Hello. digging deep. <laughs> See that? See that? Dig. He's learned. <laughs> he learns I'm quickly. Oh man. <laughs> um. Yeah, you might also know him as uh, Sean from Michaels. Uh, the uh, professional wrestling character, I, former IWTV champion. Is that or no? You just had a championship match, or were you the champion? I forgot. I uh, is a key I, detail. You know, this is controversial, <laughs> but I, you know, I won the IWTV championship from soon to be very famous wrestler Orange Cassidy on that night, and then those damn officials they uh, <laughs> they restarted the match, and then the you know he rolled me up in a pin, and I I. Uh, it was it was briefly the greatest moment of my comedy wrestling career. I guess it still is. Uh, yeah. Gorge Castle, you say soon to be famous. I think he's already pretty famous. He's like the star, one of the stars of All Elite Wrestling Wednesday. I don't know why I'm promoting AEW. <laughs> yeah, they're not panders, yeah. Nick. Calm down. <laughs> they're, they're doing okay. Um, um, and also, yeah, he, he had already appeared on, I guess we don't have to. Yeah, he was already on TV and then he was cool enough to do our sketch comedy wrestling show. It's it very was cool, amazing. yeah. Yeah. Said, yeah, I was like, whoa, there's Orange Cassidy backstage. Um, yeah. And also, yeah, you may know him as Vacation Jason. Are we, do, do you still talk about Vacation Jason? Or are we, are you sure. With that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really do the character anymore, yeah, yeah. but I talk about it. <laughs> he talks about how he doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know if you were like, if I was like behind you in your past and not going to, not going to, no, it was cool. I, I did this stupid character on my favorite <laughs> show and then, you know, and then it became a TV show. It was a very nice time. Yeah. In my life. Uh, it was cool. Well, speaking of TV shows, did you grow up watching kids in the hall or was this uh is this a, Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Um, like uh, on comedy central, I guess. Comedy central after school. Yeah. I had yeah. a friend named Nathaniel. We went to the, Jewish community center after school program together. And there it is. We got kind of, there it is. What is it? Excuse me. <laughs> I just love the Jewish communities. I played basketball there. It's a great place. Okay. Got to always, always got to be cautious when I bring that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Jared's also Jewish. You got it could, him. <laughs> it, could, it, could, 
I, I just enjoy the plays. I enjoy the services. No, no, don't worry. It's a positive. There it is. Yeah. But um, yeah, me and Nathaniel, we kind of aged out of that after school program and we lived around the corner from each other. So our parents mm-hmm. organized us to have like, um, like a, a, like a homework tutor. And, you know, we would either go to his house or my house after school. And this homework tutor turned out to be like a 16 year old uh, skateboard stoner dude. So like he didn't <laughs> care to help us with our homework. He just let us watch MTV or Comedy Central and Kids in the Hall was on and we watched Kids in the Hall almost every day after school. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Awesome. Do, you, do you remember like uh, some of your favorite sketches from that time or like were, were there were there things that stuck out to you? Um, Kids in the Hall, in retrospect, was one of the first shows, sketch comedy shows, where like, okay, so they're in this show. And then later on, oh, you see this guy over here. You see Mark McKinney on the SNL stat, or uh, cast. Or you see Dave Foley in something. You see News Kevin McDonald. You know, people pop up. And I guess it just, it, 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 it was something where like, in a very small way, like, like you could follow comedians like musicians where oh they're in this band now they're they're over here they're doing this job and i liked that and um specific sketches like uh, i mean you know crush your head obviously (laughs) she doesn't remember that um i remember i remember mark mckinney doing blackface as like an old yes. jazz, like an old blues musician that's right we've seen that's that it feels like multiple one. times yeah season one. Oh no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and i remember in one of those songs there's like a stop starty part of the song where it's like no 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 if you're a man never stick your tongue in a fan and then the guy playing guitar stuck his tongue out and he had a bandage over his tongue as uh, if okay he, <laughs> i do remember that too yeah did did did, yeah. did kids and all do you feel like it had any kind of direct influence on your comedy i feel like jason vacation jason could have been a kids and all character <laughs> um i think you know kids in the hall finally gave a voice to skinny goofy white guys <laughs> <laughs> and that's just something i really needed at the time it was really encouraging to see mm-hmm. um goofy like a whole gaggle of skinny goofy white guys <laughs> just letting loose you know with Fox finally finally yeah um, you know i mean i think we joke about that a lot and we should to an extent but i do think that since the era that the show aired and now nerds have done like a full takeover where it feels like they have so much power mm-hmm. over media at all times so i think maybe it was yeah. like a little rarer still kind well, of silly, yeah. But yeah even even just watching the show the episode last night it's like, you know, even at the time, late 80s, early 90s, Saturday Night Live was already kind of its own institution. And it's like flashy and brassy and known for being more than just the current episode you're watching. And, you know, like there's there's something, maybe it's the, it's the Canada about it, or maybe it's like the, the lo-fi aspect of kids in the hall but it was just like um i don't know like uh is casual the right word or is just like 
personal, I think. They would call it punk, right? They would call it punk, yes, yes. (laughs) Kind of a we built it from nothing underground, kind of raw. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're Mm -hmm. going for, I think. Approachable. It almost made, and it did kind of, you know, even though, like, there's so much to the people on screen looking like adult versions of the kid me going on, and that's encouraging in a way. The, the the approachable uh, punkness of the show did kind of make it feel like, oh, I can I can uh, indulge in you know my 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 funniness that I already enjoyed. It's like they made yeah. it work, you know, kind of a thing. Well, why don't we take it back to uh, November sixth, nineteen ninety. When season two, episode seven of Kids in the Hall first aired, number one on the charts, November 6, 1990, in America. Uh, well, wow. at the mo- on the movies, it was Child's Play 2. But do you guys know what song this is? Oh, of course, of yeah. course. The original melody <laughs> of Ice Ice Baby. Uh, that was number one of the charts in America and Canada's Praying for Time by George Michael. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting. Talked about different vibes. Very different vibes. Yeah, between the, the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Where do you guys come down uh, on the whole under pressure uh, versus ice ice baby? I mean, who 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 do you, do you feel it was just it was maybe this is not even something that is worth discussing right. and it's so obvious, but I don't know. I don't think it is that obvious. I'm not really sure what, what is your question the, is. <laughs> well, I think the discussion is that you know, there's this famous viral video of, of Vanilla Ice saying, you know, mine's not din din din. Theirs is din 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 din, but mine is din 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 din. He says a, yeah. a comically similar uh, melody to compare to, you know, Queen's melody. And he's saying, I didn't steal Under Pressure from Freddie Mercury and Queen. I wrote an original song. And I don't know. I, I was just wondering if there was any any strong take on this other than he obviously copied them. Because I don't know. This is this is just kind of before uh, everyone could sample music on their computer at home. So <laughs> right. he, the, the really the only way he got away with it is like rap was new enough to white people that like he. I don't even think he got away with it. I think everyone was no, just I like, he, that's what I'm saying. And he, oh, he look, didn't look how stupid he really is. <laughs> was it not? I, I assumed it was a sample. Did he get did he like re-record that bass part or was it actually a sample? Uh, um, he, it was not that's a sample. How, that's how a lot of a lot a lot of samples are made by just like, let's take this piece of music. We'll hire a musician to do a sound yeah. alike. Yeah, and that's probably what he did. But that's true. If he uh, did it today, but, I bet it wouldn't be much of a controversy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so justice for Vanilla Ice is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, justice for Vanilla Ice. Let's let's put his Thanks. his whole canon in a different context. <laughs> he never had a number two song, did he, Vanilla Ice? What was after Ice Ice Baby? He, uh, Ninja Rap music, from White Boy. From oh, that one too. From uh, Ninja Turtles soundtrack. That's right. Oh, you guys are really know your Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> like He's available. You could you can check him out. <laughs> I know. Spotify, I iTunes. My birthday. <laughs> I might be wrong. That might have been a. Uh... No, yeah, it was it was Vanilla Ice. I was wasn't sure if it was Mark Wahlberg or, or Vanilla Ice that did play that funky music, but it was Vanilla Ice. And then mm. yeah, Ninja Rap, of course. But hey, of course. enough about uh, Vanilla Ice. What about this uh, <laughs> this first sketch, Lady? So it's called Ladies a Tramp, and it was a runner. They did, they did three parts, but I'm going to play a little bit from the middle part here. But essentially, it's about Dave Foley playing an old British man that picks up a sex worker and doesn't seem to realize that she's a sex worker. 
but it's kind of well we can debate that <laughs> okay well let's, let's watch a little bit from the second scene read your signals but there is something i would like to ask shut up and say no more i know what you want you want me to do you right here right here under the table Forgetting how unworldly you are, I must make myself more clearly understood. Will you marry me? Sure. Whatever you want, freak. I mean, you pay the piper, you can pick the tunes. She has said yes. I may it sound like you had some thoughts about this. <laughs> well, the very first one, basically, she's working on a bridge. He approaches her and then he like offers to buy her dinner and she agrees. And I guess it's sort of like set up to, I, I think the very first one, there isn't enough of a contrast in what's happening between each of them because in a way he does just seem like a John picking up a sex worker, right? He's just right. like doing it in a like so-called classy way or whatever. So it's kind of like, I was just like, what did I just watch? Like, I, don't I know. Really I, I felt the same way. They... <laughs> I felt the same way. I w- after the first runner, I was like, oh, I guess this is setting up some sort of long-term storytelling or something because there was no like game or joke in that, really. It was <laughs> clearly all set up and odd that they chose to do all set up in a cult open like kind of thing like that. But I don't know. Cool yeah. that they're yeah. trying a different I... form of, of storytelling, sort of. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. To me, it was like clear. Oh, he doesn't realize that she's uh, a sex worker. Like he's like keeps saying, "If you say it like that, people are gonna think something. People are gonna think so." And so. What did you think, Riley? Did, what did you think of the sketch overall? Um, overall, I think I don't know. I think Scott is one of the notes that I that I wrote down. Is like Scott always gives everything. Yeah, he's great. Scott seems to Scott seems to be approaching every scene from like an acting point of view that the other cast members just weren't on, like like a level that they weren't on. And Dave is is you know doing his his hammy old man thing, and you know like if I I think the big elephant in the room for me with this setup right now is uh i have been a uh like a tyrannical improv coach to all three of you (laughs) really i wasn't thinking about it at all (laughs) the the fact of the matter is i'm i watching this episode and trying to like "Hmm, what's the game here brought me back to like the least joyful aspect of like <laughs> enjoying comedy and and like so watching like a gameless sketch right it's like where you know where like the the note would be something like okay well it's actually not that unusual that uh you know a man would fall in love with a prostitute and want to make things more serious you know so what is unusual here is it that is it that <laughs> he's oblivious i don't i don't know if he's obli- it, it's just unclear and um, I was just trying to enjoy it after that point because I didn't want to note it to death. For sure. I, I don't even, yeah, it's just, it. I, it's, I was just like, after that was like, I think I just kind of want to try to enjoy this for the fact that it's like, oh, I get to see these guys young again. <laughs> and it's, it's funny, like what passed for like sketch comedy on TV in the 90s. <laughs> 
I think a lot of people who watch these old episodes with us will say something like, "There, it's it's fun that there's no game. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. it's nice that they're just sort of doing whatever they want. And I think that's true, but sometimes it is like hard to really understand what's happening too. I don't know. I guess yeah. there's a limit. For this one, it was kind of like on more on the side of not understanding. I thought it was like funny, the idea of her going through her whole marriage, like when they went to 50 years ahead, yeah. And he's she's like gives him the bill or whatever. <laughs> I think it's a funny idea that she just stays with him. Yeah, the third bed. part, it started to become something. I, I agree yeah, but I still felt it was weird that she insisted on leaving all of a sudden, you know, it was like, yeah, nothing really instigated that. And was, also the only thing that aged about her were her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> was Pretty Woman, that came out right around this time, right? Or, or am I totally off? I didn't look up when the movie came out, but I kept kind of thinking of that. Um, uh, and, yeah, 1990. Yeah, so it kind of felt like a, I mean, I want to say parody, but it, it wasn't really a parody. They were just kind of sort of doing what they did in that movie um, and didn't really take it anywhere new other than Thompson just kind of feeling sillier than your, you know, average sex worker character, I guess. Um, well, I think they did but, take, I think, I think you could say they took it somewhere new in that she was still treating it as though she was on the job the whole time. And she was essentially right. like compiling this bill in her head for the whole time. Well, do you think it was a direct call out to the movie? Cause and, you know, it, viewing it through that lens, I think it, it, it becomes kind of totally different it, and I guess borderline acceptable. If it's coming out in a movie just came out, that's about the exact same thing. You know, I don't, I don't know. think we it was have to reach I think for as much probably, context as we are now. I think it was probably inspired by the movie, but I mean, this is, this is shot like an old black and white movie. Yeah, I found that out. There's nothing at all yeah. like Richard Gere's character. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, why don't okay. we why don't we move on to sketch number two? This is Let's called Meet the Geralds. Riley, do you remember these businessmen characters? I mean, businessmen are a big part of Kids in the Hall. Did, did, does that ring true to you, Riley? I don't remember. I don't okay. remember these characters and I don't remember, I mean, businessmen offices, I feel like is a, is a big part of sketch comedy in general. Like, 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 yeah. um, watching, I think you should leave. And it, and I, I have to wonder, like, did Tim Robinson have like a string of really bad office jobs <laughs> where he like got I'm all sure this material? Did. And yeah, but it, I, I think the, Let's watch the sketch and then I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. Let's watch a little clip from this is called Meet the Geralds. I love business meetings. Aren't they something, huh? Us in our suits. I mean, don't we look great as a group of business guys? <laughs> you know, sitting around drinking coffee brought to us by somebody who's afraid of losing their job. Maybe someone grabs a pencil and gets it into their head to tap on a desk with it. Intercoms, memos, useless interjections. Hey, like this one. Boy. <laughs> That was my favorite part of the scene. It was kind of unrelated to the rest of the scene, but it was my favorite part. I think you chose that one because the audience loved it so much. And I felt like throughout the entire sketch until then, the audience didn't know where they were yes. or what was happening. Like, A lot of dumbfounded very, like, audience oh, reaction throughout the whole show, yes. I thought. Yeah. What was yeah. that moment where he sniffs his mouth to kind of see if he's met him? Yeah. You know, you know did, did you guys? I let my cat smell make of my that? mouth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was connected somehow. Was that I mean it's something they it's something they put in a different businessman sketch from, that we've seen where they 
where they kind of treated businessmen as like animals a little bit. Right. I yeah, I was about to say, like, are they a species? Like it's like this hokey thing where it's like they're all mindless businessmen drone part of the machines. I'm sure they have a way of sensing themselves. It's different than other human beings, I guess, is the idea. They did that exact thing, Nick, idea, in the other yeah. sketch. What's that? They did that exact thing. I, I don't think in the other no, sketch. I don't I don't think they smelled somebody's mouth but but i think they treated them like as though they're a different kind of species yeah different mm-hmm. kind of animal in, in that same way so yeah this, so, was, this was either like the the you know the whoever wrote this sketch or the team as a whole either like resenting business culture or having absolutely no idea what is what it's used for or what's good about it or why it exists. And then just running with that to such an extreme of just like, no, even they don't know. Um, yeah. I think it's both. It, this, this sketch really made me, this was like the first kids in the hall sketch that I watched where I was like, Oh yeah, they're acting like kids in the hall, <laughs> like <laughs> pretending to be adults. Wow. It's like when someone says the title of a movie in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do they play businessmen like children that that don't understand what business is or don't understand what yeah. businessmen do yeah i i still think it's funny i think it's i this, this sketch wasn't my favorite sketch well, is, but. is the game of this i guess the specific circumstances you know in this sketch is the game like businessman loses his ability to business right because isn't the isn't the isn't the character that the focus is here is McCullough and McCullough is, I guess, f- forgot or lost or he's rusty in terms of how to be your average businessman. I mean, that's the idea, right? Would we yeah, agree? So. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, there's like one or there's like two or three ideas going on in every sketch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this was, this was one of the central ideas of this sketch. Yeah, <laughs> I just wish they they. I guess to your point, they. Ju- I just wish they stuck with it a little more. Or they got it more creative with beats where he's. You know, I mean, he had a couple jokes with. I don't know what's in my briefcase, and I don't know that, but yeah, very meandering. All the assistant stuff uh, with McKinney seemed to just be off game and just kind of thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems defense... like start. Sorry, go ahead, Amy. I'm just going to say in defense of game, I mean, you can tell by the audience reactions that they're lost. I mean, part of the reason game exists is just to like clue in viewers as to what is supposed to be funny and what yeah. they're supposed to be looking out for. So it just kind of yeah. like was meandering because no one was really sure what was supposed to be funny because if something's never out of place, if there's no place. They're not <laughs> right? just throwing out shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just throwing out shit. And like some of the stuff they would say would be randomly funny, but then it would kind of be undermined by the next weird thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think the idea that they keep coming back to in this sketch is just that uh, nobody knows what a businessman does <laughs> or why they need to exist. Right. Like that, that seems to be it. To me, that would, I guess maybe if I were to make a larger statement of the game, that would be it versus like the specifics. Are they acted out by this guy for forgetting how to be a businessman? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe right. the overall game is actually well, if they don't. Why are. What is a bu- businessmen do nothing? I think I they're they're saying as much as they don't know what businessmen are. I think they're saying that what businessmen do is worthless. <laughs> like it's not it's not worth yes, knowing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but you're right. That's a consistent theme. I mean, they've done it so many times. It almost feels weird by this point in this episode. 
Like, yeah, we get it. You guys hate businessmen. <laughs> it's like we got like I don't, four more seasons of them hating businessmen. <laughs> I mean, I'm into it. I, I I hate businessmen, I guess too. But I I just I don't know. I was interested in something maybe a little more specific because there were aspects. I think if they stuck with one of these, that there was a there was stuff to mine in this sketch. I'm disappointed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just <laughs> wish these. I do. Uh, yeah. I do think their performances are funny too. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They're very sketch comedy performances. Like Riley, you were saying that Scott Thompson is very committed and much more of an actor, mm-hmm. and that's well, great. Yeah, they're, but yeah. they're still very—they're very like us. Like Mark McKinney's assistant stuff at the beginning mm-hmm. got a legit laugh out of me. I love that—the the stupid pranks that he was doing. Yeah, but it, it's just very big. It feels um, kids in the hall feels like live theater more than a lot of sketch comedy yeah especially like they they do uh i I, they do some film pieces that seem very much more subtle uh the the film pieces in this one didn't seem very subtle at all the the the, uh the lady is a tramp sketches but they they do i do i think they do do some subtle film pieces but yeah when when they're when they're performing for the camera they definitely do ham it up quite a bit i think Mm-hmm. Yeah, or when they're performing for the live audience, I should say. Well, let's watch a little bit from this next sketch called "I'm English." It's a a monologue by Scott Thompson. I speak English. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's a lot of people out there who don't. I find that sad. Why why don't they speak English? Is it because they find it too difficult? <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's easy. I spoke them my whole life, and I never had any problems. Is it because they don't like it? That's ludicrous. It's a great language. Well, why, Shakespeare's in English. Barely. This one, we can all agree, had a pretty clear game, right? Yeah, no Sure. It just went on a really long time, right? It was like... And the last line, which like obliterated reality. Which was... Well, so it, it, the last line, it turns out that he was doing this monologue from prison all along. He's that, in prison. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, yeah. And the prison guard says, hey, lights out. Stop talking. And then he goes, why doesn't anyone speak English? <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> See, I, I didn't hear what the guys, what the prison guard said. I just assumed yeah. he said something in a different language. I, I didn't realize he was actually speaking in English. Okay. No, no, plain English. Um, so it turns out this guy's psychotic and he, <laughs> he doesn't understand anything as English. <laughs> He's not even Great. speaking in English himself. I did yeah. laugh at the line that French people speak, <laughs> the people in France speak French because they think it's cool. And it gives yeah, them and it gives them to smoke. <laughs> I did like that. Yes. Um, in Holland, they speak some weird accent. Hollandaise, I guess. That was kind of just stupid enough that I liked that. Yeah, once yeah. they got into the story <laughs> of him beating up the guy, I kind of was like, wow, this has been going on a long time. <laughs> it like became, but it was still a strong game for sure. I wrote down those lines. I also wrote down when he said, uh, when he said he speaks real slow like he would to a dog. Like, why do you speak slow to a dog? Yeah, funny. <laughs> and then at one point he said, she overreacts, dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I, I, Riley, I, do you remember do, well, do you remember the Kids yeah. Knowles monologues? They feel like they were kind of known for their monologues. Every episode kind of had one or two monologues. I do remember the monologues. And uh, yeah, you just don't see that in other shows. I like it. I, I even, 
I don't remember if this whole monologue was like one shot the whole time, but I really do like, um, I like that it's just him in a dark room. I like <laughs> that you can tell he's speaking to a live audience. Um, and I'm glad I got one with Scott because uh, again, he just seems, it, I don't know what his, his training was compared to the other members of the show, but he's just, he's got something, you know, he's got some special commitment to his characters that uh, add a lot to the, to the weight, to the performance. I love it. You, do you great. think, were you aware of that watching kids and all when you were younger, that Scott Thompson was kind of, at least in terms of acting like a tier above the others? I don't think so. Um, no, I, I definitely wasn't. Yeah, not really. And, and I think, I think I also just like paid closer attention to, to Brian because he was strange and, and like, Kevin, you mean Kevin McDonald or Bruce? Kevin, Kevin was like a wacko. Yeah. But, but Brian, you know, has that kind of quiet introspective. Bruce, you mean Bruce then? Bruce, Bruce McCullough. Oh my God. <laughs> It'd be amazing <laughs> if there was like another person. All <laughs> three of us are like, what the fuck? <laughs> Tell us more about Brian. Oh, I'm so sorry, Brian and Bruce. Um, and then like Dave Foley was like recognizable and other stuff. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know. But just watching him now is like, oh, this is why didn't he have, maybe he did have a bigger career that I wasn't aware of, but like, I don't <laughs> I mean, know. It's he great was watching. Some stuff. But, it's a yeah, recurring I don't think yeah. he had his comment for us. Show. I mean, we talk about what Thompson brings to the team and the show and just... Mm-hmm. Every, I've also sort of I, just having the character of Buddy Cole and like bringing that. I mean, again, if it was all yeah. straight white guys, I know it's just one, <laughs> but it does make a huge difference, you know, to have that perspective. And it just it's he really I agree, brings so much to the table. And I think he it, the choices here are so funny. Like, I feel like it's such yeah. a fine line. Uh, you know, OK, you're kind of a dumb guy, I guess. Or, you know, you <laughs> you know English, but you're kind of criticizing everybody else for being dumb. But you're dumb. And like he just does it really well here. I, I don't I'd, I'd be curious to know, you know, what's behind some of the choices he makes and some, some of the stuttering that he does in this. But, uh, you know, you could really fall off here and seem like you're making fun of somebody when you're not. And he doesn't. I just kind of am able to enjoy this from start to finish. I think he does a great job. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Kind of good, humane yes. uh, per, per take on, on, a, on a terminally ignorant character. Murderer. A terminally ignorant, yeah. ignorant murderer. Um, <laughs> right. Turns out to be a horrific criminal. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next scene, which is, would it surprise you guys to learn that this is a recurring character? <laughs> oh, God. I, I'm always... I, yeah, very surprised it, and, it, and disappointed. It seems who, like every episode <laughs> we, we watch lately, we get a new recurring character. And, and I actually love this one. This guy, this is Gavin. He's Bruce McCall's kid character. This one's called Painting a Chair. Let's watch a little clip from it. Okay. There's this kid in my class, and she lives on her own without any parents or guardians. And she's eight. And she took the number off her house so the cops can't find her to take her to jail. And also she took off the mailbox so they can't send her a letter to say she's in trouble and has to go to jail. And she's eight, like I say. Eight, that's young. Yeah. And in the garage is the skeleton of a coyote. And it's one of those real valuable ones. 
And that guy from the news already tried to buy it three times. Really? Yeah. So I suppose you want me to paint your chair. <laughs> I love this. Is this is one of the scenes that they do on their lives tours? I don't know if they still do it, but they did it once or twice when I saw them. Um, wow. Wait, what, what were we gonna say, Riley? See, I think this I is it. another scene that just feels like like I was enjoying it because of how much it feels like I'm watching live theater. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's like I was I had to like actively turn my sketch noter brain off <laughs> and just appreciate it for the fact that like these are like mark mckinney's being very funny being annoyed and bruce is just killing it I, like like uh this is another kind of heartfelt performance where i don't know he's he's playing annoying kid but he's not being intentionally annoying it's just like a little curious kid i love it but let's let's watch this little clip I found of Ooh. Chris Hardwick wow. uh, talking oh, wow. to that's great talking <laughs> to Bruce just talking to Bruce Chris and, uh, <laughs> and Mark yeah yeah sorry it's Chris Hardwick but uh, let's let's hear uh, they talk a little bit about this sketch in particular and about Bruce's characters in general mm. but I think Mark and I are attracted more to otter characters Bruce's characters are kind of like people who have who've written the book on themselves they think they know what they're about like the guy who was the pan is sort of like his perverse little set of values the same with Kathy mm-hmm. the same with Gavin like a very strong opinion about how the world should work and no sort of self-consciousness about you know entertaining any information that doesn't fit that and that's what makes it funny and that's why they're terrible <laughs> they're terrible people to be in with me yeah because they really I, it's, 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 a, it's like a snowplow coming at you as you feed straight lines literally the most useless time i've spent on the planet earth has been straight manning gavin which i had to do on a couple of tours and there's no joy in it there is no audience recollection you are just literally you know putting the baseball back on the tea stand so that he can smack it out and there's no playing with him because he's looking at the audience and sort of, you can see mentally gauging him, hmm, that was an 8.5. I did a 9 in Milwaukee. You know, it's just, it's just, it's awful, pointless. It has nothing to do with the interaction of actor and actor to actor. Were you in that schedule? Yes, I was. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, swear, I thought that was an interesting clip because I thought Mark McKinney was actually really funny in this scene. I thought, like, uh, his yeah, straight manning was too. funny and he was I getting agree. laughs, like, on his reactions. <laughs> and I was like... But, but I think one of the things we've noticed with the kids in the hall is they tend to always want to be a big funny character in every scene. So there's no, so there's not always just one, you know, uh, one funny character, crazy character, one straight man. They both, they want to both be a big funny mm. character. <laughs> I think that, uh, humor into every role. That goes along with, I think, this like commitment we're talking about where Thompson stands out as a great, you know, performer and the rest are kind of like, you know, like you're saying, playing big, <laughs> not committing necessarily, going for a laugh. You sense that. You sense that, I feel like. Uh, but I'm with you. McKinney was great in this sketch. I agree that he was great. And also, like, watching that interview, I feel like this is true of a lot of their interviews. Like, they seem really, like, seething with anger. With <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe they're just kidding around because they've known each other a long time. And it's like, haha, we both know this is true. But it also felt mad. It felt like he was generally mad. I don't know. I mean, I've done a lot of sketch comedy. And sometimes being this straight person, voice of reason, whatever, is like a thankless job. But I don't know. It's not that bad. <laughs> It seemed like it's so horrible. He'll get to be like, let you know, like kind of small legend touring the United States doing comedy. 
Right. Yeah. Well, he's acting as if he's like a roadie for the band or something. It's like, dude, and you're in the show. Like, sketches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for like, sure. I mean, of yeah. course he was other sketches. Yeah, they did like a two-hour-long show. Like, yeah, he, he was in, probably in most scenes he had to play a big role. But just, also, it is. Yeah. It reminds me of when they were like, "We hated that sketch that Scott Thompson wrote with Buddy Cole, right. the baseball players." <laughs> I know. Yeah. Huh? yeah. There's been other examples of them criticizing each other, sort of in jest. But like personally, I like being a straight man in a sketch and getting those straight man laughs. I think those are maybe it's just because I find those funnier that I that I like be playing that role. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I thought it was so strange to hear him talk so negatively about the sketch, about performing the sketch. Anyway, well, this character uh, you guys liked. I mean, you think uh, the, the the McCullough character? I mean the actual character i, mean, I think it's hilarious yeah. Oh, yeah i i love this character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he comes back uh several more times what about you man did you like uh gavin uh, is his name? you know i kept thinking i don't know if this is offensive to say but i kind of felt like they were <laughs> they were picturing someone who would be considered maybe like neurodivergent now or something like there's just something about his fixation on these stories and like not really reading the cues that Mark McKinney is giving him. It was just like, I kept thinking about that, but I'm sure that wasn't their intention. It was just like, oh, kids are weird and curious and like oblivious. But I thought it was, you know. In the the biography, Bruce McCullough says that this character was based on a kid who started talking to his dad and he and his dad at the cottage as they were building veranda. He said, I didn't need to change. I didn't need to change one word of it. I was like, (laughs) based on some real kid. Yeah, I, I had a similar kid like this in, in my life where it's like I, I was playing basketball with my dad in the driveway and a kid who we didn't know just kind of showed up and just stood there and kind of said like, hey, how you guys doing? Like, I'm from Westfield, New Jersey. And we were like, oh, hey, like, what's going on? man?" <laughs> it was just one of this, uh, this odd thing of a kid who, like, I guess clearly is characterized as a dorky character, but also has the confidence to stand there yeah. and, you know, I'm going to say my piece kind of thing. Um, what kind of kid were you, Riley? It seems like I could maybe picture you being like this kind of a character. This kind I of a had, kid. I, yeah, I had um, shades. Yeah, I can kind of relate to that character a bit. I, um, I liked, I liked, but I liked being more weird. I liked intentionally, you know, giving adults like a reason to go like, what? <laughs> you know, I kind of like being goofy and and uh, puzzling in that way, but. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm th- I, I, a lot of contradictions. I was also very shy at times, and uh, um, and sad. You know, had a lot of a lot of different. I don't know what kind of kid I was. I was, um, yeah. I think I was a weird kid. Yeah, I, I me know. too. I, I, if you ask my dad, he probably would say I was a lot like this Gavin kid. Just asking too many questions. I guess the, Gavin doesn't ask questions. He makes up stories, but yeah, but yeah. I love this. You the black outline on this. Uh, sorry, what was that? I just with I got to go. I'm in the middle of a big bike race. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. funny. It was also funny when he asked about like being paid. <laughs> right, right. He finally says you can paint this little piece of the chair right here. How much would a job like that pay? <laughs> funny way of putting it. And also Mark McKinney's reaction to that is very funny. <laughs> he just like, yeah. doesn't say anything. <laughs> I saw like a McKinney's painting of the chair. It's just such a kind of, you know, he has to... 
do it right. And then and then there's this moment of the sketch where he's got to speed it up just, I guess, to cue. McCullough's like, why are you going so fast? It just <laughs> it just seemed like a very odd thing to pretend to do. And he's pulling it off sort of believably. Like, I, I, I didn't draw any. <laughs> you agree with me, Nick, or you don't agree with me? <laughs> no, I agree. Like, why okay. did they choose? The prim- Why did they choose this to be based around Mark McKinney painting a chair? <laughs> a chair yellow. <laughs> painting it like yellow. I just remembered too that this sketch begins with him just kind of like lumbering the out. Mouth thing. Yeah, and just going, oh, hair of the dog. And he sticks his tongue out and his tongue is gross and he's drinking a beer while doing this. That's he probably said, me. Yeah, I'll play the I'll play that role, but you Get it, gotta give me something in the beginning. Right. Sure, give me yeah. a big, yeah. gross, yeah. funny yeah. thing in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Love a, gr- a gross out. <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, watch a little bit from this. This is the last sketch we have to talk about because we already covered the the runners, Cute. but this is uh, this one's called the Black, the Lacko Trust Blues. <laughs> I just want to say before you play this clip, I, it looks like you're not going to play the very beginning of it. But this whole episode, I was like, where's Kevin? Where's Kevin? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't no. show up once. And then he's sitting with two <laughs> babes. And he goes, and he's got giant sideburns and a pompadour. He's wearing a black t-shirt and a a brown leather vest. And he goes, I'm a ladies man. <laughs> with yeah. zero convincing. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I wasn't going to play that because I thought like the the heart of the sketch was the song. And I thought it would make more sense to show absolutely the song, but, but yeah, let's watch a little, the, let's watch that beginning too, because it was insane. I, loved it too. I don't know if I love it. But I laugh. I'm a ladies man. <laughs> go on, touch my belly. I swear it's hard as a rock. Go on, go on. Touch my belly. I swear it's hard as a rock. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, a turn on. That's a turn on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's watch a little bit from the song, I guess, that he sings to his ex-girlfriend when she when he finds her crying behind it. He says, that play that nachos is crying. And yeah. Watch <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous to say I love you. Oh, just to prove that I do. I think it's outrageous to come home every night. Oh, just cause I'm married to you. And don't you think it's just a little bit freaky that I can't see other people to prove to you something? I was watching this and I just like, I don't know if I find this funny. I think it's an interesting <laughs> idea. And I think the performance is is funny, but... I think the I lyrics needed laughing, another pass. I think <laughs> that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been really fun to see this live when, yes. when like the band is playing a little too loud. You can't really hear what he's saying, but oh, it's it's funny because it's it's Kevin McDonald doing a rockabilly character, and the song is about how he's a shitty guy. And oh, don't you remember when he did those funny dance moves? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really work as like a TV sketch, you know? No, I guess that's doesn't. probably it. Although I will say the set looks really cool too. I thought that they put a lot of work into the set. Like, yeah, I think there was just something about this sketch that was a little <laughs> off, and it was that I'm now realizing this sounds so shitty, but I honestly think Kevin just couldn't hit the music the way he needed to to sell this. You know what I mean? Like he. Because, like, yeah, Love. I think he's really, really trying. There's a live band. The set looks amazing. They've coordinated all these hot ladies. 
you know, he's like clearly put a lot of time and energy into doing this, but he is not a musical theater person. So it's his like performance isn't quite aligning with the music, especially towards the end. So it kind of like it's a little more underwhelming than it should be, I think. I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten spoiled by all these musical comedians we have now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. I mean, the joke yeah. is that he's bad at this. He's a not. He's like not. Yeah, a but he's good it's singer, not. Right? I feel. I don't think that. But they're yeah, I don't a know if that's singer. I think the joke is that it's like he's a gross, stupid guy who's like singing yeah, the yeah. song about how he doesn't have to treat his wife well to prove that he loves her. Right. Um, it, it, it also, the rhythm of the sketch before getting into the song is so strange. Like going from the ladies to Bruce in drag and. And their conversation is kind of long and like more melodramatic than than funny, you know? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's totally. just like it's just like a different mix than than other sketch comedy shows. It's like the, the ratio of like heartfelt and trying to make a point to funny, absurdist, like just it's kind of like I can't it's hard to place kids in the hall sketches because is that the ratio is like it's not predictable of like what flavor is is where and do you think that would have bothered you if you hadn't done you know years and years of ucb improv and sketch comedy training and stuff you know do you think that that would have been you think that you'd been in your head like what's what's with the ratio i don't know like as a kid it was just like it was like these guys are funny it's it's not really that the sketches sketch to sketch are funny, but it's like you put it on and it's got this vibe and it's got this, this um, unassuming uh, approachableness to it. But like, I'm probably going to laugh more if I see Chris Farley or something, but like, Oh, it's just, it's good to, it's good to see these guys doing their thing. And, and, and now just watching it, it, it's like, it's just so peculiar. It's so specific in a, in kind of like a, in place of a way. I don't even know like what a sketch show, what if there were, if there were like a modern sketch show going, we're going to be the new kids in the hall. Mm-hmm. Like what would it, what would that even look like? You know? Yeah. I mean, he brought up, I think you should leave. I think that yeah, is the closest was, thing to kids in the hall right now. It'd be some sort of Tim Robinson-y kind of thing. Right. Uh, just kind I don't of, know, man. Yeah. Just kind of off the know. wall or social media kind of ish inspired, at least format wise. I feel like very short, kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't know, but you're right. Specific, it's specific hard. point of view also, like it, like doing their own thing. Like, I, I mean, I guess I don't know. It's I hard to I, think TikTok. of non mainstream examples, right? TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. TikTok. TikTok is the new version because <laughs> uh, because like you go on there and you kind of realize that quality of production doesn't matter and it's really just about the idea that gets it cycling and you know our sketch shows now are just so highly produced (laughs) they look really fancy always and it kind of like you know Mm -hmm. i think i think you should leave is very funny but i also think a lot of the sketches got away with stuff just because it's like well edited and Mm -hmm. looks great and they have a you know really um talented actors who are well known so it's kind of different and and also our idea it, it like sketch has evolved the same way a musical genre evolved where like hip hop in the nineties and hip hop now right. is like accelerated. There's less more words. There's more context. There's more history to, you know, reference. There's, 
there's just like more uh, blending of different genres with the main genre. And so sketch comedy now is is like codified into this into this thing where it 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 just has it there's just more rules mm-hmm. and even something kind of rule breaky like I think you should leave still has a ton of rules that it's referencing even if it's breaking them whereas kids in the hall is just like let's do a monologue let's do a scene mm-hmm. that isn't 100 funny but it's still <laughs> technically comedy I, I don't even mean that as like a dig but it, it's yeah, just like yeah it's just interesting that that it, uh, there's something experimental about it where these days it's like if it's not funny in three seconds and then like predictably funny for the next two minutes, then it's just not sketch. Hmm. Right. Like to Amay, your point of saying, you know, a lot of great musical comedy now, it's like, yeah, well, a lot of that is great, I feel like. And you'll you'll see people hit a beat, you know, hard and right away. And like the the song will be totally almost structured to be like joke, 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 where. Yeah, this just I think a lot of for me. I'm sorry. Finish. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like for me, musical comedy doesn't really hit for the same reason as stand-up doesn't hit for me, which is that it doesn't really surprise me very much, especially when in a song, because it's like very, you know, yeah, like you're saying, there's like a, a beat that they hit over and over again. There's literally a chorus a lot of the time that gets repeated. Mm-hmm. Like it just lacks that element of surprise and interaction that makes me personally laugh. And I am often much more surprised by stuff that happens on Kids in the Hall. <laughs> and, you know, Tell me if you, nice. if you guys think this is fair. I, I, I kind of, remembered this previous sketch we talked about with McDonald where he wrote it and part of it, I think it was when he was, uh, you know, ratting out those hash dealers to the police and he was a true story lifted from his real life. And part of it was like, Hey, you know, people were coming up to me a lot. You know, the show was doing pretty well. We were in our second season. We were kind of feeling ourselves. And this seems like one of those ideas where it's like, you're doing really well. You want to go for something. And McDonald is, you know, I don't know resting on his laurels maybe is not the best way to put it, but something where he's like, I can just go and do a song and do a fun song and give it my all and come out, like you said, Riley, like, I'm a ladies' man. (laughs) And, like, not even worry about if it's good enough or funny enough. And just because he feels like, look, we got this show, we're ready to do it, we can have the great production values, like you guys are saying. And I don't know, it almost seems like it gets away from you a little bit when you're trying to do this type of show and you're trying to do sketch comedy like this, and it's like... If you're not focusing on the right things, you end up with something like this, where I do love a lot of the dramatic scenes they do, but this didn't even seem like they were doing, they didn't choose anything to be good at, really. (laughs) They had a song, it didn't have any jokes, (laughs) and it was just meh the entire time. And maybe, do you guys agree that part of it is like they're successful and maybe like, I don't know, it's getting away from them a little bit? I, don't know, I think he's trying really hard in this. I don't think yeah. he's resting on his laurels. He seems to be working his ass off. And yeah. it's like, I feel like it's just, there's just something a little off that's making it not land the way it should. But the mm. audience is obviously loving it because I think he is going full out <laughs> probably during the show, right? And it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, like Riley said, said this would probably be, this would probably be fun to see live. Yeah. But yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I'm not 100% with you on that one, Jared. All right. That's fair. But I, I get what you're saying. But I will, I will agree that like at this point in his, comedy career kevin mcdonald knows he has his thing and his yes, way of yes. performing mm-hmm. and this is i mean this is why i was so excited to see it from moment one it was like oh he's just on he's doing his kevin mcdonald thing but like 
Yeah. Um, no, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking but, of songs, Jared, you have a little song you like to sing. Oh, wow. Uh, we're already there. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. Uh, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. No. Uh, May? Okay. Oh, no, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the sketch of the app. It's the sketch of the app. Come on down. It's the sketch of the app. And Riley, if you haven't figured it out, this is the part of the show where we list our favorite sketch of the episode. Uh, you're a guest. We can, you, you can begin. Do you have a sketch that stood out to you? Go to my notes one more time. Um, wow. It's really come down to either, uh, the, uh, the, I speak English monologue versus, <laughs> um, Bruce playing that kid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the yeah. same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can we talk about this theme song for a minute, though? Like the sure. actual theme of the show. I would. Yeah. Oh my god! This is the first today. time somebody else. Nick, it your up. dream, your dream. <laughs> your Nick dream, loves the theme. Look at him; he's blushing. He's so excited. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I gotta say, the theme song gives me goosebumps. Mm. Yeah, like I get chills hearing this song. It's just, it's. I think it's the it's the best theme song for a comedy show in the game like wow the, yeah the only ones that i could compare it to were um i wrote this down mad you're so um, mad crazy well, i was gonna say that oh, yeah, the mr. Show. <laughs> <laughs> um, i think the mr show theme song is actually really it kind of hits me in the same way it's not as good like i don't love the song like i actually do yeah. think the kids and all theme song uh having an average weekend by shadow minute shadow planet i think it's a good song i love the song it's a but, great song but when the mr show theme song comes on in the show i think and they come out and, and talk to the audience to me that kind of hits in the same way uh, i gotta do, revisit do, that do, one do, 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 I, I, I love um <laughs> that's good nick i love the og john stewart daily show theme i think that's why they might be giants even mm. oh yeah yeah and uh Portlandia has a good theme. Excellent theme. And and it just I don't know. Uh but yeah, I think it doesn't get better than the kids in the hall theme. Yeah. And you know they had the the band that plays at uh uh Shadowy Band on Shadowy Planet, they had them they they were at every taping. They were like the house band and they would just be standing on uh -huh. risers and they would play in between sketches and they would play they played the they played oh, the they backing were... for this for this sketch we just watched, the uh the the sense. lack of trust blues yeah so it, it must have just been a, a really fun atmosphere having a great band playing songs in between these live sketches wow would been, i, I would have loved to go to taping i bet they i should look into them i bet i would really like their, their... yeah they kind of all sound like that you know like surf rock it instrumental. sounds like it's riley your answer more. is the opening titles for sketch of the app let's give it to the opening <laughs> titles <laughs> <laughs> wow i love it I'm going to go with painting a chair, the Gavin Bruce McCullough scene, uh, the good little kid scene. Uh, I, I love that character. I remember seeing him live when I was, I must've been like a, a sophomore junior in high school. I went to, I drove to Austin to see the, to see the, the, the reunion show. And I was so excited when Bruce McCullough came out as Gavin and I was <laughs> laughing nonstop. Did he get was, an yeah. applause break on entrance? I probably did. I would probably, they're probably, probably all applause breaks. Probably every sketch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's 
Cool. <laughs> what about you, Jared? Yeah, I, 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 for me, it's it's a landslide. It's Thompson with the uh, monologue about uh, speaking English. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, certainly had the most you know laugh lines for me in the episode, mm-hmm. and just really clean and really funny. So I, I'm going to go with that one. Um, I guess for me, yeah, it's the. Um, you know what? I'm just going to give it to this last one because even though we trashed it a lot <laughs> i really think kevin was trying to do something you feel bad for him yeah i no, I, no i'm gonna say this and he i'm sure would find it insulting i hope he never listens i doubt he does <laughs> but i hope that you know when people reach for something beyond their ability i think that's very inspiring <laughs> and maybe he nailed the next time he did a musical number we don't know yet that's true. Yeah. But he was like really trying for something very different and bold. And I honor that. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, I think he's got it in him. Like, it's not like he's a terrible singer or anything. I mean, that's not the problem. No, I'm not even judging the quality of his singing. I just feel like he's trying really hard and it's not hitting for some reason. Mm. And I'm not, I mean, there are a lot of little different reasons. I don't mm. think I mean, he has a little, cho- yeah, yeah. A whole choreographed routine and singing. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Is, he was really lot, like yeah. put a lot into this. So, so sympathetic sketch of the app. No, I just think it's like, you know, ambitious. <laughs> it's like an ambitious sketch. For all you know, this could be a recurring character. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Tex. I think his name is Tex. If, if, uh, if we he, he wrote, again. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, do you have your, a question to ask Riley? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, it's like not even a question. It just keeps evolving every time. We try to always ask people, like, did this watching this episode bring up anything for you about your own comedy or the state of comedy now is a reflection in general that you would want to share sure um i think back to just how sketch comedy is so um it's it's like there's the way everything is so accelerated like there is no way these guys would have been given a chance at all in today's comedy universe you know unless one of them was like the son of an snl executive (laughs) or something oh like for sure but even then it would be like okay son look we're gonna we're gonna pair you up with some of my old writing buddies to give you guys notes until you start writing things that are funny this way right away you know like there's just no room for like the the weird curiosities that we all have about this show they would all be ironed out and just like compacted into something very efficient and it's kind of cool to watch a show figure itself out as it's going and and it's just like the way money moves through television shows and the way television shows are just like axed or just canceled or just before they've even begun is like like kids in the hall ran like seven seasons or something like that right i think six i think six seasons and then they they did like a reunion season death comes to town like wow. and and then and then uh they have a new season coming out uh in, in a couple weeks on oh, amazon Prime. Wow. Wow. so that's, that's, that's cool. interesting riley you don't feel like there's a space out there currently for uh whatever you want to call it uh, either experimental or, or just kind of you know raw sketch team or comedy team like this is everything is kind of sanitized i mean on the on the level that they were doing it uh, you know, at the time, I don't, I don't think so. Mm. Um, uh, I'd be very surprised to see something like even on like a streaming platform. What that... about like uh, the Chris Gethard show? 
Well, the Chris Gethard show was largely a public access TV experiment. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it, uh, you know, managed to get a little bit viral-ish, successful-ish enough to be given a chance on a very small cable channel. And then it did kind of well enough there for a couple seasons to be bought by true TV where like it just, it, it, it just didn't do well. Cause um, it was not uh, sought after by like even a small audience, like nobody watched it on true TV, you know? So yeah, like, okay. I see, I see what you're saying. It's just, it's I, a small I, I, think scale. It's, it, I think it's a combination of the, like the market wouldn't know what to do with kids in the hall, even if um, the network that bought it was putting in enough money to properly advertise it to the people that would be potentially interested in it. Right. I think it's a, it's a combination of what is bought and sold and also like what audiences are now conditioned to consume that would make kids in the hall just not viable, like no, no hospitable place for it, except for like something extremely small, like, um, you know, public access or YouTube. I don't know. Quibi, Quibi 2, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, put it on Vine. I mean, TV is a strange medium because I love TV. I want to write and work for TV. And so I don't say this as a condescending way at all, but I think it's Mm -hmm. kind of intended to be a comforting medium and to be something you can kind of relax into or like, you know, identify with or feel comfort, you know, just it's, it's, and a lot of stuff on kids in the hall, it's confusing as we've been saying, it's like something that disrupts your brain and makes you think. And I think shows like that, for better or worse, are really hard to market because you, you want to be able to fit so clearly into a niche that's going to be for the right person to just like zone out with, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I, I absolutely, I, I was going to say maybe this is naive, but I was a child. I was definitely naive. Um, but it seemed like back in the nineties watching reruns, it seemed at the time, like there was almost like an, I, I, like an ideal, like you could be curious about something and watch TV rather than just kind of be zombified. I don't know. It's, it, 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 it was a cool feeling to watch something and not really quite understand it or maybe, or yeah. see, see, see something not work fully, but it still made it to air. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. and, and that was what was so cool about like doing the Chris Gethard show or, you know, doing those comedy wrestling shows that ended up on mine where it's just like, okay, this isn't fully there yet, but somebody appreciates this. And yeah. you felt like you're stumbling than- onto something unique and different. That yeah. It's like, and, you're, you're felt like you're discovering something, I guess. Yeah. And I think that TV, you know, is like, so it, it was back then, but even more so now, it's just like such an institutional thing that, you know, even the idea of like spec scripts and pilots and everything is just so it has to be this way mm-hmm. that it, that experimentation is is rare or like experimentation to a point within these parameters is only allowed so i don't know yeah it's it's all about like comfort and and living up to pre-existing um expectations 
Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, I've been sitting here thinking, trying to think of TV shows that I've seen recently that I feel like are surprising or different than the usual thing you see. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of (laughs) criticism of this show, but I feel like Euphoria does that. And then I was thinking about it because the director and writer, Sam Levinson, is like the son of a really, really famous Mm -hmm. uh, person. So, And Mm -hmm. apparently he goes to, like, the shoot with no shot list. And basically demands really? everybody shows their tits. <laughs> and I just kind of feel like <laughs> not many people could get away with that without that kind of backing. And it does make for some interesting stuff in the show that you don't really see normally in TV, even on HBO. But it's still just like, of course, that's the person who gets to like mess around <laughs> and do that. Right. I mean, not to just keep talking about like TV that. I like, but uh, I, I feel like uh, that how to with John Wilson show kind of makes me feel the same way as kids. Yeah, know, like you're watching something. And Nathan, for you, Tim and Eric, that whole kind of, you know, community of people that sort of the Jash kind of people that I feel like there are divisions who are. Jash. Yes. <laughs> well, that's a fair way to categorize them, right? They all did Jash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of trying that experimental thing. I mean, I feel like in, it's it's similar to how in the from a theater sketch mind, you know, mentality of. A lot of people come on this pod and, and talk about like, yeah, you know, Kids in the Hall is making me realize maybe I don't have to like have a strict game in every single sketch that I do. And I feel like it's similar mm-hmm. to how you're describing, you know, the entry into television. And, you know, you could sketch can be anything like we were saying before. What is sketch now? TikTok and everything else. And I, I feel like, I don't know, this show always brings up that idea for me. If I always get to remind myself like, yeah, there's no gatekeeper. There's no rules. Like you can really do whatever you want to do in sketch. And that's Kith makes me always think like that. I'm just asking the question to myself because I just wanted to say that answer. I was thinking about, I was talking about this earlier today. Like, uh, you know, I came up in UCB where every sketch ideally is by their standards heighten, explore, heighten, you know, explore, heighten, explore, heighten, explore. And it's just like that never ending staircase until the sketch ends. And I think part of the reason that I could never write a pilot um, and enjoy it, like I, I like put my nose to the grindstone, wrote one one time and hated every minute of it because I didn't I was in like... that pilot class with you, by the way, I think. I think it may oh, was yeah. too. I think we we're all in a pilot yeah. class together. Yeah, we were. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hate writing pilots. <laughs> and, and like I'm, <laughs> but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. It's okay. Um, because like all I knew was sketch writing, and you know, used to be really emphasized the only really right way to write a sketch is to heighten and explore, and and it just didn't make for good story. And then I took this acting class that was so emphatic on story structure and how you know scenes are written not just sketches but scenes and you know how there's an arc to a line an exchange a scene and a whole play and it just made so much more sense to me and not soon after that I was writing live hour-long television shows I wrote three of them that I'm really proud of and and like it was just like this, this kind of adjustment. It's like a spinal adjustment that just kind of unlocked all this tension in my in my writing ability, because um, you know a big a big grudge and sticking point for me was that like, okay, you know these these heighten and explore sketches are 
really predictable and they're and it's really hard to make something so predictable funny because it's just like you, you have to call it out so hard and then and then just do the same thing over and over again and uh i don't know like playwriting scene writing has such like a longer richer history than what like the 50 years of sketch writing and it was just so much more satisfying to tap into something that is like a little bit more essential to storytelling you know what i mean sure yeah sure well where, that where was a really find... long tangent i don't know no no <laughs> we appreciate it that's what we want we like it <laughs> where can people find uh what you're working on these days um RileySolander.com. Uh, you can see all my old vacation Jason stuff. My my uh, my 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 robot clown show Clown. Um, I got a link to Googie Morning. That's my weekly Saturday morning uh, show. I'm always doing something different, either like one person sketch shows or little online open mics where people can check out their art or show their art and check out other people's art. Oh, Character cool. stuff. Um, yeah, I have a lot of fun with that. And, uh, and it's, I guess it's not that recent anymore, but I'm so proud of my, uh, full length, uh, comedy wrestling documentary, uh, Sean from Michael's champion, kinda the story of the time that I <laughs> stole the IWTV championship from Orange Cassidy. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I gotta check that out. I was, I was there when that happened, but I haven't watched the documentary yet. Uh, or, or is there for the whole the journey? Yeah, yeah. It's all you know, like you know, a wrestling nerd. I like to blend my fact and fiction, and I uh, ended up kind of telling the story of my. It's it's the story of my life, but told through a, a pompous wrestling metaphor. Awesome. Uh, I'm definitely gonna be watching that. And uh, thanks so much, Riley. And until next time, keep crushing those heads. Mm -hmm.